Hey, I'm Mike Joseph, and thank you for listening to Detoxicity, a show by men, about men, but for everyone. I hope you enjoy the content of this podcast, and I want to let you know about a few things you can do to support us and our mission to challenge traditional notions of masculinity and create a more communicative, positive, and loving environment for all. You can subscribe to Detoxicity on any podcast platform that you use to listen. We are available just about everywhere. Also, don't hesitate to rate and comment as these help us move up in the podcast rankings. I'm on social media, or at least I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as Detox Pod Guy. Feel free to drop me a follow. Now I have a Patreon page, yay! And uh, Patreon gives you the opportunity to get cool merch and exclusive episodes of this podcast in exchange for subscribing. Go to patreon.com slash detoxicitypod to find out more. Uh, finally, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, whether you found an episode of the podcast particularly enjoyable or enlightening, or you know someone who'd be a great guest, or you'd like to offer constructive criticism, or if you yourself would like to be on the podcast, hit me up. Reach out to me at one of the aforementioned social media channels, or if you're old school like I am, drop me an email, detoxpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and take care. I'm really, really excited about this episode. I get to interview Micah, who is the host of a YouTube series and a podcast called Realistically Free. Uh, Mike and I met up uh, virtually a couple of months ago, and first time we spoke, had like a two-hour conversation for his podcast, and unfortunately, the internet ate it. Damn you, Zoom. We don't like you. Uh, why did you do that? But we got up got back together and we decided to do another conversation for this podcast and uh it it we there was nothing lost from one conversation to the next uh we talk about so much stuff we go off we have fun we have laughs we also talk about really serious things um micah has a hell of a life story that is ongoing and uh he really has a lot to offer as a guest we talk about we talk about uh you know, Micah's transition uh, because he was born uh, with female genitalia and uh, is now a male. Uh, we talk about sex. Uh, we talk about relationships. We talk about family. Uh, we talk about growing up as brown people. Uh, we talk about poverty and homelessness. We talk about so many different things. Uh, I really, really hope you enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is Micah. So my name is Micah. I'm 29 years old. My old soul. <laughs> I like long walks on the beach. I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Oh, um, yeah, I'm 29. I like to do mentorship. I say that instead of like content creation because like I feel like it's more than just creating content like on YouTube and the podcast and everything like that. I talk a lot about mental health. I myself struggle with depression, PTSD, and recently was diagnosed with ADHD. So that's been an interesting thing to navigate learning about myself there okay and uh, yeah i just make youtube videos make podcast episodes talk about whatever the hell is on my mind and just try to help people out get through shit give advice that's basically it i'm pretty simple i work <laughs> i go to work <laughs> take care of family do my thing yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah so how'd you get involved in this work what was it that like lit, lit the spark for you to say hey i want to help people i want to share my experience i want to talk about other people's experiences and be a light for them. So I've always been a creative person. I make music. I play trumpet. I, I write poetry. I've always been a creative person. And I started this about three years ago. So I was about 26, 25. 
And here I was at a job. That's okay. I like my job, but it's a job. And I'm just like, man, I like helping people. I like being able to just do things for people. That's just always kind of been in my character, but I wasn't getting the creative side out. I've always been into film. I went to school for media studies and communications. And so I wanted to do something where I could be creative, <clears throat> but also be able to reach out and help people. And so myself, about eight years ago, I started transitioning from female to male. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was not really on like YouTube like that. When I first started transitioning, it was something that was really, really personal for me going to therapy and didn't really like looking at other people's stuff. I just had this mentality. I'm going to do things in my own way, in my own mind and make sure every decision I make is coming from me and not from outside influences. And so fast forward to about three, four years ago, I started looking at what's going on within the air quotes community from the LGBTQ plus community. And I started seeing there was this disconnect for trans masculine individuals and a lot of, in my opinion, toxic ideas. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's a need somewhere here. Maybe this is somewhere I could come in and try to provide my own personal experiences, my advice, my thoughts on things, and kind of mentor some of the younger trans masculine people that were coming onto YouTube and looking for this information and was getting a lot of, in my opinion, misinformation on the topic. So it didn't even really start like that because I was living in an RV at the time and I wanted to make content about traveling and living in an RV. And it just wasn't really satisfying that part of my soul. It was like, I want to help people. I want to be able to really make an impact make an impact on people's lives. And I felt like I didn't want to air quotes, be that trans guy or be that person that would come on and just talk about their sexuality or their gender identity. And I, I felt like it was kind of taboo and played out in a certain sense. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what can I bring to the conversation is different than what's out there already. And that's, that's why I said, oh, I'll just start it. I'll just kind of do it and just see where it goes. And it's been building slowly over the last three years. I get a lot of emails and, and messages from younger people. Usually they're teenagers. Sometimes they're in their 20s. And I, I think the most surprising thing that I have seen is actually a lot of older people coming to my channel, people in their 50s, their 40s, their 60s. And it was kind of strange to have a 50-year-old or 60-year-old person come and ask me questions and want to hear my experience and and learn from me. And so... It's been pretty cool. Even if I touch one person, my mentality has always been like, yo, it only takes one person. Maybe I won't be the person that that has all the answers or has the plan on how to make changes, but maybe I can spark the person that's supposed to make the change. So that's always been my mentality with that. So many questions arise as a result of that monologue. One thing sticks out <laughs> to me, though, which is what the hell were you doing in an RV? Oh, yeah. So... Me and my wife, I'm married. I've been with my wife for almost 13 years. We've been married. Congratulations. Uh, we're going on 10 years married. So anyway, we, we've always kind of been like these free-spirited people. When I was a teenager, I went through homelessness. I lived on the street. And I found that that was a time in my life, which although it was stressful as a teenager to live on the street, it was actually a very freeing experience. I didn't know it then at 16, but as I got older, I reflected back on that. And I was like, wow, that was actually a freeing period of my life where I, I did have responsibility, right? I had to take care of my basic needs, food, clothing, shelter, but I didn't have the stress. I think that sometimes comes with brick and mortar living or the materialistic part of life. Like they say, the more money you make, the more problems you have. 
Shout out to so, Smalls. <laughs> right. <laughs> more money, more problems. Right. So at the time, I was going through some things. I got laid off from my job. And I was the main breadwinner in my household. So I got laid off from my job. My wife and I went through an eviction process. We stayed with a friend for a few, few weeks. And then I say, let's just go get an RV <laughs> because we've always been like that free spirited. And I've had that experience all my life. Really. I, I bounced around. I never really had stable living growing up. So mm-hmm. it seemed very natural for me. And I'm learning now through therapy. I crave, how, how did my therapist put it? Controlled chaos. Ha! I thrive in controlled chaos (laughs) in that I'm a thinker. I like to figure out how something works. I like to problem solve. So I'm learning now that I thrive in controlled chaos. I want there to be enough that I can problem solve and fix things, but not enough where I'm constantly in a state of stress. If that makes sense. It makes sense. I, I think I'm similar in a lot of ways. But there's another side to that, right? It's like there's complete chaos, there's mm-hmm. control chaos, and then on the far side, there's I want to say boredom, but there's yes. there's calm, yes. complete calm. How do you find you react in situations where there is no drama, no chaos at all? I'm bored, and that's the ADHD <laughs> because there's nothing for me to figure out. Uh, there's nothing for me to think about. Like I'll think, of course, because I'm I'm just a thinker. I naturally overanalyze every possible outcome of every single situation. I drive myself crazy. I drive my wife crazy with it. But I find that when things are too calm, I'm bored. Mm. And I I wonder sometimes if that's just a reflection of our society of constant consumerism, constantly looking for the next big thing, that type of thing, the instant gratification. So I wonder if that's a result of that, where I find that when things are calm, I'm bored. And so I have found that because of my past of kind of being someone who self-sabotages, I'll, I'll create problems so that I can fix problems. So we, we talk in the same language right now. Yeah. <laughs> we are talking the exact. And I also wonder if that's a function of childhood chaos that because, oh, absolutely. You, don't, because you don't know what it's like to be in a situation where it's calm or mm-hmm. you have this, what's the word that I'm trying to use here? This sense of calm, like horror movie-ish, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. like when things are calm, it's right before the person jumps out of the, the thing and scares the shit out of you. But I it's find like, that that's a result of trauma, though. People right. who don't experience that, they're not th- waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. My whole life has been struggle. That's all I know. That's literally all I know. I, I was literally having a conversation with my mother actually last week. It was pretty intense, pretty emotional. And she said she was talking about things that were going on in the world, especially with like transgender people. It's something that we don't really talk about. Like, I don't think every day about being trans. It's not something you think about every single day. It's just a part of who you are and you live your life. Exactly. Right. So there was something on the news. I can't remember exactly what brought the conversation up. But my mom was like, I worry sometimes about you, that you put your face on YouTube, on all these places that potentially millions of people can see. I'm not saying that I'm that big or whatever that millions of people are seeing, but there's that potential is upon thousands of millions of people can see your face. And the internet is crazy. People find where you live. I've had stalkers. I had all that stuff already. So that crazy shit can happen. So she's basically like, sometimes I worry about you, like the way that people will treat you. And it makes me scared for you when you're out in the street and you put your face all over the place and you talk about these things and you've always been an outspoken person. And you don't really hold your tongue in a lot of situations. And I, I said, mom, but that's been my whole life. Even before I started transitioning, when I was a child, 
I remember like having these feelings even about other girls and, and not really understanding, not having the language on what that meant. And I remember even back then when my father was alive, speaking with my father, and I remember that there was some TV show. I can't remember what it was now. We're talking early 2000s, like somewhere around there. So 20 years ago, I don't even remember what the show was, but there was a part in there where there were two girls that were kissing. That was the first time I had ever seen that on, on TV. It's something I always kind of felt internally, but I never saw it. I only ever saw gay men or if they were talking about trans people, it was typically in like a joking manner and there were trans women being the butt of the joke. It was just drag or what they termed back then cross-dressing. It wasn't like an air quote serious thing. It wasn't the way people were living their lives. So I remember seeing that and my dad being disgusted by it. And I remember asking my dad, what if I was like that? Would you feel that way about me? And it was my way of trying to open that conversation with my father. And he was like, don't say that. God made this man and woman. And my dad was very, very religious. So it was like, oh, I can never tell anyone about this. <laughs> and so when my father passed away, I remember I had a conversation with my aunt shortly after. She came up from Florida and she was like, you're a lesbian. You like women. She was very direct about it, but almost kind of mean. And at 12 years old, that I didn't even know what the word lesbian was at the time. Yeah, I was like, no, I'm not. But I had a girlfriend and everything. But I was like, no, I don't like women. And lesbian never even felt right for me. Right. It, it, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So right. thinking back, I can be like, well, that's why I never kind of identify with that label because I didn't feel like I was a lesbian. I just was like, in my mind, I like women. Like, what do you mean? It's normal. And so I remember as I dealt with that, in a sense, it was like bullying from my own family. You see what I'm saying? And then as I was getting a preteen and into my teenage years, living in the town I lived in, there wasn't many other girls that like girls or guys. That like, you didn't see that. And so it's not something that was widely accepted like it is now or more talked about like it is now. Right. But the way that I dressed, I was constantly bullied for the way that I dressed. I always was very masculine. I played sports that you typically saw boys playing like basketball. I was on an all boys team because no other girls played. So I, I was bullied a lot because everyone was like, you're a lesbian. I'm not going to say the other word that people really use. You could fill in the blank. Yeah. Four letter D word. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The ditch word. So yeah. I was called that. I was called butch. I was called the F word. I was called all types of stuff. My teenage years, I was bullied a lot because of the way that I dressed, the way that I presented myself. I was always very masculine. And at the time being born or assigned at birth as a female, however people want to say it, I don't want to offend nobody. I usually say that I was born a female. It doesn't bother me to say that. And so I was used to that my whole life. I working in, in certain areas, there would be groups of white men that would drive by, throw shit at me, call me a call. So like me and my, my wife would be walking down the street and we're being cat called at, we're being disrespected. Like it was my whole life of being bullied. And a lot of people don't even realize that that happens because you do typically see a lot of bullying with gay men. Gay men, I think are a, a lot less accepted in our society, which I feel is crazy, but I feel like that's a whole nother it's a that's whole a, nother conversation. But a lot of, I think that's not talked about a lot either, that a lot of women do get bullied for their sexuality. It's not taken as seriously either. I mean, we'd be walking down the street, oh, you just need a real man, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, nah, bro, like, <laughs> I'm good. There's a lot of narrative. I, and again, this might be a generational thing. This definitely was part of my generation where people were like, if a woman was involved with another woman, it was a phase or it was an mm -hmm. experiment. Like, yeah. 
particularly if those women did not assign to stereotypical presentations of what uh-huh. a lesbian was supposed to look like. Right. Right. If it was, you were too feminine, or I don't know if you remember back in the day, they said, you're too pretty to be gay. Right, you're too pretty, yeah. I mean, and not to say that I didn't have these preconceived notions in my head as well, but they were like, lesbians are masculine presenting, they wear flannel, they drive a truck, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. I mean, you look like Ellen, or you look like, yeah, there is a a very Mm -hmm. stereotypical presentation of what gay men and gay women look like, and that presentation is obviously not. Not always, maybe not even usually the case. Mm-hmm. But I do think that people who present in more of a stereotypical fashion have to unfortunately face the brunt of the bullying that happens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And so that's something I dealt with my whole life, whether it was my whole family or strangers. And so when I started transitioning, I mean, I got death threats. Literally, I, I mean, I was in a small people town. people you knew? These were strangers. Literally, I would go to the barbershop. I would go to the barbershop at the time. I wasn't what people call passing air quotes. I hate that term, meaning I didn't look yet like a man right? or the stereotypical version of people think a man should look like because I didn't have facial hair yet. I didn't have top surgery yet. This was very early on in in my transition. And I was going to barbershops and they were like, I said this and that, and they would say stuff. And that was my whole life though. But at this point, I was like, I really don't give a fuck. Do what you're going to do. I'm going to live my life. If me existing bothers you, that's your problem. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to change who I am or not do what I'm doing because it offends you for some reason that I exist. And so point, I guess, in sharing all of that is when I was speaking with my mother, she was very concerned for me. And I said, Mom, you don't understand. This has been my whole life. My whole life, I've been treated this way. Whether it's because people thought I was a lesbian, whether it was because I was dating women, whether it was because I was too masculine in their opinion, whether it's because I played sports, no matter what I did, I had something to say about it. Working in sales, going to barbershops, I had customers that were like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back with a gun. I'm going to shoot you. And I told them, go ahead, do it. I'll be here. I'm here till nine. That is ridiculous. (laughs) I'm here all week. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Come through. Come through, pull up. And so a lot of people tried to intimidate me. And sadly enough, when I, went to do my name change legally. I had to have my record sealed because of that, because I knew my address is going to be in there. People are going to know where I live and I'm already getting this type of like treatment. Like imagine now people have access to know where I live, what my name was before, what my name is now, all of that type of stuff. So I was never necessarily scared for myself. I was more scared for like, if something happened to me, how that would affect my family. Because in my mind, it's like, I can't live my life like that. I can't sit here and be afraid of how people are going to treat me or change who I am because people are going to not like it. So I was explaining to my mother, you got to understand, mom, this has been my whole life. Before even transitioning, before putting my face on camera, before talking about these, these types of issues that are within the community, within society, before putting my voice out there, I was always treated this way. So this isn't nothing new to me and it doesn't bother me anymore. It doesn't bother me anymore because I accept myself for who I am, whether people understand it or not. And But transitioning brought a whole other slew of problems, though, too. (laughs) So I got too much shit going on to worry about what somebody else think about me. I wonder, going through the experiences that you've gone through, Mm -hmm. I think would make somebody really bitter. Hurt people hurt people, right? That's the saying they keep saying. And Mm -hmm. you've been through a lot of hurt. What was it? within you that still even through all that is like i want to help people 
I'm stubborn. <laughs> and, yo, like, I feel like, honestly, it was a lot of therapy, a lot of introspection. And also, because I wasn't always this, like, or this, like, yo, I want to help people. Because I've helped a lot of people throughout my life. And I got burned a lot in my life. So there was a period of time, I would say, between the ages of 18 and 20, maybe like 17 and 20, where I was like, fuck everybody. I dealt with drug and alcohol abuse for a few years as I didn't understand what I was really going through because you got puberty. You have all these other life situations, right? Like my dad passing away. My mother had a heart condition. She wound up having health issues. I'm at 14 taking care of my mom. So I went through so much in that period of time. I started self-medicating doing drugs and drinking and stuff like that. And so I then went through a period of time once I became homeless, I was just like, fuck everybody, fuck everything. I'm just going to look out for me. Like, fuck all y'all. I was in a very toxic relationship. It was just all bad. And then I always attribute a lot of this when I met my wife. I feel like she really opened my heart. She really opened my heart again because it was someone that really cared about me more than I even cared about myself. Mm. And at the time, I was so toxic. I can admit that. I was in a bad place. I didn't need to be with nobody. But at 17, man, we know everything. Of course we do. <laughs> and nobody can tell of us shit. Of course we do. Yeah. So she really opened my heart up. But I didn't have the experience or the knowledge, I guess, at that time in my life to really know what to do with that. So I, I feel like in a lot of ways, I tried to sabotage it because I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know what to do with someone who cared about me or who loved me or who wasn't trying to do me dirty. And so I still struggled with drugs and alcohol. Eventually, I did get clean and sober. And at that point, I was like, I need to go to therapy because I was in a really dark place. I was very suicidal. At this point in my life, I tried to kill myself already three times. Jesus. I was like, I need help. It was that realization that I think I need help. Right. And it was when my wife cried to me on a Christmas evening and I was going through withdrawal and just like out of it. And she was like, yo, like, I can't watch you kill yourself anymore. At that point, I was like 120 pounds, skin and bone. Just all I cared about was getting high. That's all I cared about because it, to me, it was something that like numbed the pain. Right. Of, You're like, you know, yeah. It was an escape. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I started going to therapy. And as I started going to therapy and realizing, yo, I don't need to be like this. I can choose who I want to be. I don't have to let my past and things I've been through in my life define who I want to be and who I want to become. So therapy led me to a lot of revelations about myself, about my trans identity and my trans experience. I did a lot of introspection about my life. And I'm still in therapy now because at that point I did stop. I stayed in therapy for probably like three years, got to a place where at least I was sober and I was on the path and I was like, okay, like, I think I'm good right now. I don't need therapy right now because I think people misconstrue that as well with therapy is that you have to do it forever. Right. And you don't, right. it's not you something you need you know, forever. Like for me, my journey has been, I do it for a while, then stop for a minute. And then when I feel like I need it again, I come back in the short term solution. For some people, it's a longer term solution. For other people, it's kind of like you come and go. Right. I think that sometimes it can be a double-edged sword for a lot of people who have codependent mm. tendencies. Yeah. And I definitely was someone at that point in time who had a lot of codependent tendencies. So it's something like you start to use it as a crutch, in my opinion, where you'll be like, oh, therapy for everything. Instead right. of using the tools that the therapist gives you and Gave be you. able to be a critical thinker, you start to depend on that person to almost think for you or tell you what's wrong with you instead of you trying to find those answers within yourself. And so I stopped going to therapy after I had been in it for about three years and I just took a little break and was just doing my own thing. And 
going back into my spirituality and reading books on Buddhism and things like that and reading a lot of the great philosophers like Socrates and reading a lot about life and going really within my own self. And so I felt like I was doing great and I kind of just kept going on my journey, I guess. And honestly, like even as I started transitioning as well, that was definitely a big turning point in my life because it really helped me to embody myself, if that makes sense. A lot of times I felt like I was just, I wasn't really in my body. I didn't really like how my body was and I was really depressed about it. And that made me so, so it was a lot of that. So when I started transitioning and really just having this mentality of fuck everybody, but with love. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but that changed now my whole life. Like, fuck everyone, but with love. Like, I love everybody. I know people say, oh, love is a serious word and you should only say it to people romantically. And I disagree. I feel like love is universal. You should love yeah. everybody. Be compassionate towards people and be as empathetic as you can be or sympathetic of people and try to understand people. So when I kind of had that that switch in my mind, of, I'm going to just do me. Like, I love everybody. Even if you hate me, even if you wish bad towards me, I'm going to send love to that person anyway. Because I've noticed as I've gotten older, usually when people dislike me, it's because they see something in me that they either want for themselves or I challenge something about themselves, yes. whether that's emotionally or mentally. And I'm not saying that they're trans or that they're gay or whatever, just I challenge them in some way that makes them uncomfortable. And so I think that that's why I've had a, just a different way of thinking, even after everything I've been through. I don't want to be the hurt person that hurts people. Just because things happen to me in my life doesn't give me a license to be hurtful to other people. Right. That's for me to deal with. Those are my problems, not for me to put those problems on other people. I don't want to be a villain in somebody else's story because somebody was a villain in mine. And so that's just try, how I try to live my life. Hey, I could be bitter and I could be cynical. Well, what is that doing for me? That's not going to do anything for me. And I look at it like this. I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. So I might as well do what I want. That's what I live by. <laughs> I love what you're putting down. I'm wondering, because you're putting yourself out there and because mm -hmm. you're trying to help people, what are some of the common questions that people ask you about? A lot of the common questions that I get is a lot about physical stuff. Usually, how did testosterone change your personality or your physical body? And I always say, like, testosterone didn't change my personality. I'm the same person. I've changed, of course, because I've gotten older. I've grown. Life is about change. You should never be stagnant. You're always going to be learning and growing as a person. So the common question is usually what has testosterone done to my body? And so I don't know how rated R we could get on this, but you can talk about whatever you want. People tend to ask me about my genitals a lot. If I had the surgery, that's usually how people pose that question. And I'm not opposed to questions when they're respectful. Because some people would straight up be like, so are you a man yet? Do you have a penis? What kind of bullshit is that? <laughs> and I'm like, bro, the way I look at manhood is probably very different than a lot of men look at manhood. I, I look at it as more of a creed, if you will, when it comes to maleness, right. having integrity, respect, loyalty honor in what you do, take care of yourself and you take care of the people around you. So in my book, in my eyes, my manhood is good. <laughs> I know I do not have a penis yet, unless you count what testosterone has done for my, what I call my mini PP. I got a little micro P. That's fine. I'm not like most men. Well, actually, let me say I am. I'm just like every other man who wishes they had a bigger dick. <laughs> yeah. Everyone wishes they had a bigger dick. Okay. Well, and that's society right saying, Oh man, I feel like that's just what society puts on, on men though. Right. You have to have a, a 10 inch or an eight inch. Right. You know, so yeah, so it's like, all right, 
first of all, there is this societal standard that having a big dick is this sign of sexual virility, mm-hmm. is this sign of like super masculinity. Like if you have a 10 inch dick, you're going to roll out and kill 10 people and <laughs> destroy towns. And, a warrior. You know, the warrior the dick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But also it's like, as a critical thinker, dicks come in all shapes and sizes. Having a big dick can be a dis. I mean, a disadvantage. Don't know this? Right, because I was not blessed that way. But having a big dick can be a disadvantage. Because I've been with yeah. dudes and, like, you want to do what? Yeah. Nah, son. That ain't happening. Yeah, can dig it. I mean, shit, even when you look at the vagina and the anatomy, it's only but so deep. The canal is only but so long and i mean the average size of a penis is usually what five and a half to six inches that's the average and you look at the average depth of the vaginal canal and it's about the same and when aroused can elongate a little bit to accommodate for a larger penis but it's only going to go but so deep so i feel like that's just a vain thing society puts too much weight no pun intended to how how big a dick should be and so i have those insecurities just like every other dude like when i'm having relations with my wife i'm like damn if i had a bigger dick this would probably be better for her she'd probably enjoy it a lot more and all of those things and then i have to bring myself down back to reality like sex is not just about intercourse and that doesn't mean just mean vaginal intercourse it doesn't have to be put in anywhere you can have lots of other sex that's just as fulfilling and just as enjoyable with the size of penis that you have now personally do i want bottom surgery absolutely but not because i want it for sexual purposes i could literally have a three inch dick and i mean i have a three inch dick but i could have a four inch or a five inch dick and be like i'm totally fine with that i'm good as long as i have one is that that makes sense it's more about just wanting to have that alignment it's something i feel like i should have I call it phantom dick. I'd be having phantom dick and phantom balls sometimes. I'd be like, yo, where's my shit? I don't know how to explain that. I'd be reaching. So it's something I do want to have in the future. And I do have consultations and things like that set up for it. But it's not something that I think about on a daily basis of like, oh, my God, if I don't have this, this won't make me a man. I don't look at it that way. It's not what makes me a man. I just personally feel like I'm missing a limb. That's the only way I can explain it. Now, I guess then that would start a whole nother conversation of biology and genetics and it also does make you a man because you feel like you're missing a limb i still don't look at it that way people try to twist what i say so i always try to be as precise as i possibly can when i'm speaking and also keep in mind i speak for micah i don't speak for the whole trans community right there's this big misconception and this only happens with minority groups yep one person from a particular minority group speaks their views are the views of every single person in that minority group and it goes back to critical thinking Mm-hmm. There are so many factors that determine your view your view in the world, like your view about yourself. How could you possibly think that just because people share a skin color or they come from a particular place or they have a certain sexuality or, mm-hmm. or they feel a certain way about gender, that they all think the same? We're not rolling off the assembly line. Mm-hmm. There's so much other stuff that goes into what makes you who you are. Mm-hmm. But I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said minority groups. We don't have many spokespeople, if you will, that speak for the community. And so there's been plenty of people that come to my channel and they're like, I didn't even know that trans men exist. Usually when people think about transgender people, they predominantly think of trans women because even trans men are a minority within a minority group. And then if you even break that down even further, like being a person of color, I'm a minority within a minority within a minority. 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 Right. So 
you'll have people that I didn't even know they existed or I only ever seen white people be trans men. It's interesting because people only think of trans men as white trans men and they only think of trans women as black trans women huh. for the most part. Like when we go back to even, like I said, the 90s, the early 2000s, when you saw cross-dressing or, or drag, you saw black men dressed as black, dressing, men, whatever you, you want to call you it. You saw RuPaul. RuPaul, right, exactly. Right. RuPaul, though, is the man. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. And then people conflate those two things and say, well, you're cross-dressing or you're doing drag. You're not really this way. You're pretending. And they don't understand the nuances of that and that being a performance and identity being something completely different. Completely different. Right, but you don't see... A lot of people speak about these things, especially when we talk about the trans community. You don't really see a lot of people having these conversations. And when you do see them having the conversations, they tend to be very emotionally charged conversations. They're not clear and, and calm headed and like, let's seek to understand each other. And now with what's going on in the world, everything is becoming so polarizing and politicized. Everything is about politics now when we're talking about the LGBTQ plus community, specifically when we're talking about the trans people, look at all of the bills that they're passing now and how they're trying to take gender affirmation services like hormone therapy, surgeries and things like that. They're trying to make it that you have to be 26 to even be able to make that decision, which I find to be ridiculous yeah. because if I'm old enough at 18 to be considered adult and to go to jail as an adult and you're saying that at 18 years old, I can get into a loan that I will have to pay for the rest of my life. And I'm of sound mind enough to make those types of decisions that can financially ruin me for the rest of my life. But I can't change my body that I have to live in every single day in my body. Now, granted, I've said it before. I get a lot of shit for it. I'll say it again. I don't think that anyone under 18 should be able to medically transition. That's my personal belief. But I also believe that it's none of my fucking business. That's between you, your parents, and your doctors. I'm not a medical professional. So the fact that we have these lawmakers coming in and saying what people can do with their bodies and their medical situations is crazy to me. Because if I wasn't trans and, and I'm 18 and I had the money right now, I can get breast implants. Yep. I can get butt fillers. I can get lipo. I can get a nose job. I could change anything I wanted as long as it made me more, air quotes, sexually appealing. Right. But there's females right now and women right now. And I don't want to be offensive to people, but like that people who have vaginas right now. I don't know what other term to use that you can can't even vagina have, having people. Yeah. Vagina having people that can't even get access to hysterectomies who can't have access to abortions. Look, my beliefs should not trump what people do with their body and their right. life. That's what we live in the great U.S. of A, right? You're supposed to have the freedom of choice, regardless right. of how other people feel about your choices, as long as you don't directly impede someone else's rights or choices. Right. And someone choosing to be who they feel that they are, whether that's in terms of gender or sexuality, is not impeding on anything. And I want to bring it back to something that you said a little earlier, which really sticks with me, and I believe as well which is that when people are vehemently opposed to these types of things, it is because you are a reflection of something in them that they are not entirely comfortable with. Whether oh, yeah. they personally have gender or sexuality issues, this might be a little ignorant. I personally think that every homophobe is someone who is struggling with feelings about their own sexuality. 
I could see that. I would challenge that a little bit and go a little mm-hmm. step further and say that it challenges their personal beliefs in general, not right. necessarily just their sexuality or their gender identity. But I was having a conversation about this last night, with one of my friends and my wife, and we were saying how like, yo, it's crazy how much has changed within the generations, right? You look at like our parents who would be considered Gen X, I believe. I'm Gen X. Okay. So my mother is 57. My father, I think, is 55 or something like that. Born in the 60s. Born in the 60s. You got to figure civil rights and segregation ended, what, 50 years ago? Right. (laughs) So they were alive at some point in that part of separation. Like we were having this conversation about Puerto Ricans specifically, right? How within our culture of Puerto Ricans, there's a lot of colorism. And a lot of racism in that, like in the summer when I'm getting dark and people look at me, oh, you look at the little Moreno, the little Negrito. And it's like, they'll look at you and say, you're too dark to be Puerto Rican. You must be black. And they look down on that. Or if you're too light skinned and like me, I have hazel eyes, they'll say, you're too white to be this. So there's a lot of colorism and racism in there. But look at the generation they came from where there was segregation and separatism, right? Then you look at our generation or my generation of millennials, and and we still have a little bit of both, right? We've seen the effects and were raised with those same ideas. We had to learn to challenge those ideas and think differently. And so I think that when people start talking about trans people, gay people, we challenge a lot of beliefs that we were raised with, right? And to take it a step further, like I said earlier, when I started transitioning, I had a whole other slew of problems, especially once I started, air quotes, passing in the world as a man. I had a lot of other problems that, I, to be quite honest, that I never expected to have. As I started transitioning, before transitioning, I was never super emotional, but it was acceptable for me to cry. As a woman, it was very acceptable for me to cry, for me to say, I'm hurting, I'm upset about this situation, or I feel like if in a relationship, I'm not getting equal treatment or those types of things. I could go to my wife and say, I expect you to work because we're a partnership. As a man now, I was challenged on that. Like, no, you're a man. You're supposed to risk your life. You're supposed to protect your people. You're supposed to financially provide for everything, even though your mental health is going to shit. As a woman, I could walk down the street. I could see another woman with her children and be like, oh, wow, you have beautiful children. And it would be socially acceptable to do that. Whereas now as a man, I was at the park with my niece literally a few days ago. And this random little boy was like talking to me. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. I'm like, Oh, look, he's so cute. He's a cute little boy. He's around. I'm looking around like, where the fuck is his parents at? Because he was by himself in the park. And he's like, hey, do you want to like lift this stick up with me? Like, he's a child. He saw me and my friend, two other men. And he's like, oh, I want to be big and strong. I didn't think anything of it. And so I looked over and I see his parents just giving me the side eye. Like, why are you talking to my child? Yeah, exactly. But as a woman, that would have never been a thing. But people immediately assume because I'm a man, I'm a predator. I never expected to have that type of treatment. And it made me so much more aware of the experience of biological men and what they went through their whole life. And so I'm cognizant enough to be aware of the differences in the treatment. And I I try to speak out on that as well. And I get a lot of shit for it. There's privilege on both ends. There is privilege to being a woman. There's a privilege to being a pretty woman. Not to my own horn. I think I was a pretty woman. I'm a pretty man too, but I was a pretty woman. So I had pretty privilege. Like when I got pulled over by police as a woman, I could easily talk my way out of a ticket or out of a situation. 100%. I pretended to be stupid. I pretended to be just willfully, I'm just ignorant. I didn't know the law. I didn't know I couldn't speed. I'm so sorry, officer. It would be like, oh, this is fine. She's a stupid young girl. I'll just let her off with a warning. As a man, it's like, yo, what you doing? Yep. 
I've gotten pulled over as a man and they got hands on their guns, especially as a person of color. They're ready to fuck me up. So now I avoid police at all fucking costs. Whereas before, as a woman, I could say that if I had an issue, my thought process would have been like, there's a police officer. Let me just go to this police officer. They'll help me. As a man, I'm like, they're probably going to do more harm than good. So I'm going to figure this out by myself. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're right. We do live in a heavily politicized time. It's really important for all of us to kind of step back and realize the privilege that we carry. Even Mm -hmm. those of us who are minorities, we are oppressed people. Mm -hmm. Those of us who are minorities within minorities as well. Mm -hmm. Just about everybody holds some kind of privilege in some area. And the world is very unfair to women. Mm -hmm. However, there are situations in which women do have a distinct advantage, like the situation you mentioned when it comes to dealing with law enforcement or really any kind of an authority. And there's pretty women privilege. Remember when I first started working in retail and my boss at the time was like, look, you put attractive women behind the register and dudes are going to spend more money. Yep, And that is 100% fact. That's real. Mm-hmm. The reason I love having these conversations, Micah, is because you can discuss all of this nuance and all of this context that I don't think really gets talked about in everyday conversation. And then when people are trying to have discourse online and on social media, people get in their feelings and start screaming. And then, again, you can't really talk about the fine print. But there is so much nuance and context that goes into every single one of these conversations. I think that the biggest problem about these types of conversations is people are tending to try to persuade the other person to believe what they believe instead of seeking to understand. Most people I've had conversations with, I always say I want to have good faith, open dialogue, right? I want to understand you. I may not be able to agree with you. I may challenge you on some of the things that you believe to understand why you believe what you believe, but I'm not going to try to change your mind. That's not my goal. I never want to necessarily like change someone's mind or force my beliefs upon another person. I just want to understand where you're coming from. And hopefully you can understand where I'm coming from. And maybe we can meet in the middle somewhere. Just that give and take. We can walk away better people understanding one another and saying, maybe I could do things a little bit differently in the future with other people to meet them in the middle in, in a way that's beneficial for everyone. And so maybe that's a utopian way of thinking, but I think a lot of people, when they go into these conversations, seek to change the other person's mind instead of seeking to understand where they're coming from. And so it, it winds up being, people are just waiting to respond instead of listening to understand. I see that a lot, especially even on my channel. I've had people that are like, well, what makes you a man and how can you say you're a man? And I think that's another thing that I think I challenge a lot of biological men on is that from what I've experienced now in my last nine years of transitioning or whatever, is that a lot of men, when I challenge what they believe on being a man, their fallback is usually you're not a man. So how could you understand? And it's like, bro, like, I'm not trying to change your mind necessarily, but I just want you to think about why you even think that way. Why do you even think that way? I made a video probably like two years ago and I was complaining. (laughs) I'm going to say that I was complaining because I had privilege as a woman that if I had to go to use the bathroom, right? I work in a medical field. I deliver durable medical equipment. I go to a lot of hospitals, nursing facilities, things of that nature. Okay. And in the beginning of COVID, a lot of these facilities were locked down. And then on top of that, living in Pennsylvania, they actually closed a lot of the service stations down too. Now, like 90% of my job is driving all around Pennsylvania, New Jersey, 
Maryland, sometimes New York City. My main job is really driving. I go to these facilities and I assist them with the equipment, I I service equipment, I'll deliver the equipment, all those things. But my main job is I'm on the road 90% of the time. So as a woman, I know for a fact, because I've had situations happen where I've gone to gas stations or any place and been like, hey, can I use the bathroom? Even if their bathroom is not open to the public, even if it's air quotes out of order, because that's just another way of saying we don't want you to use our we don't want you to use the bathroom. Yeah. 99.9% of the time, if I as a woman went into a place and said, can I use your restroom? They're going to let me use the restroom. Yeah. As a man, though, at the beginning of COVID, I said, yo, this is crazy. I went to a facility that I had gone to so many times because I've been with this company almost five years. So many times I have gone to this facility and used the bathroom. I said, hey, do you mind if I use your restroom? I know that the rest of your facility is closed, but I also know that their bathroom is in the main lobby. So I wouldn't have to go to where any of the residents were. No. So it was like, whatever. What this woman told me. Pick a bush. Wow. Shit. And she laughed it off. She was like, go pee over there by that tree. And I said, would you go and pee by that tree? Would you pee behind that bush? And she kind of <laughs> laughed it off. I'm like, huh, bitch, I'm serious. <laughs> and I was like, no, no. But in all seriousness, I need to use the restroom. Can I use the restroom? I'm not going to go pee on, by a tree. And she's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll let you use the bathroom. And so I made a video about this. I say, yo, that just goes back to privilege. Why is it that most women, as well as other men, think that's a normal thing? Just go pee in a bush because you can. The reality is if you get caught with your dick in your hand, that's public indecency. Also, it will put you on a registry. Yes. I don't know if that's a countrywide or just a statewide thing. So from my understanding, that depends on where you get caught peeing. You could be at a schoolyard and it's 10 o'clock at night. There are no children there, but you get caught with your dick in your hand. One of those places, you're going to be considered a child sex offender. Right. Because you were peeing in an area where children would be, but they weren't. Right. Okay. So to take it a step further, I'm like, yo, we're in a civilized part of life, right? Everybody deserves a space to go use the bathroom in peace. Okay. I understand that. I guess if you want to take it there, we're animals to some degree, right? But we are civilized, cool. animals. But we're civilized animals, right? Yeah. So I said, yo, that's barbaric. Even though you can go, doesn't mean that you should, you deserve a space to go pee in peace. Okay. Go be able to wash your hands and be hygienic because you touch your dick before and after. Okay. So if this is in the height of COVID, Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I made this video. I say, yo, why is that normalized that men don't have the same right to just go use the bathroom told to go pee outside? And that's normal to you. And there were so many men in the comments defending it. I'm a man. I can pee anywhere I want. Yeah. Well, you want to be a man. That's what it's like to be a man. And first off, why do you just accept that? Right. Why 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 do you just accept that you don't have the common courtesy or decency that someone thinks that because you can, you should just go outside. I mean, using the bathroom is one of the most vulnerable situations you can be in as any animal, right? That's literally like dogs, cats. I mean, all animals, they're on high alert when they use the bathroom. That's your most vulnerable position. Okay. So why would you want to be out there like that? Aside from even just the law and and everything else, why would you want to feel like you have to be exposed outside? And why don't you see a problem with that? And everybody's just like, that's being a man. You're not a real man because you can't stand to pee. I can stand to pee. Don't get it twisted. I can stand to pee. I choose 
to be a civilized human being and go to the fucking bathroom. And that's another thing, in my opinion. <laughs> Urinals are stupid. Okay. Even though I can, I don't want to be standing right next to another person. Yeah, I don't, need, I don't need to communally piss. Yeah, like I'm good. We're not in ancient Greece where everyone had a communal toilet and they just shit next to each other and <laughs> piss next to each other. Your fucking knees are touching. <laughs> and when I saw the response from that, it saddened the fuck out of me. I'm like, yo, a lot of men do just be like, just take it. To them, it's like a badge of honor to have that type of struggle. And not that I'm saying that that's a huge thing. It's just a small example. But a lot of men see struggle and borderline disrespect as a badge of honor to say that's what makes me a man. I mean, it goes back to talking earlier about you having the privilege to be emotional mm -hmm. when you were living as a woman. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it all ties together. Yeah. Where people see this mask of emotionlessness and the stoicism and things like anger and violence and a big dick as signs of virility and masculinity. Mm -hmm. And like, you're not a real man if you're emotional. And, and that just leads to so many fucked up people. And the sad thing is I have had many conversations with women, not that I'm trying to mansplain or say that I speak for all women, but I've seen so many videos online and spoke personally with a lot of women who kind of perpetuate that narrative though. Oh, I don't want a man who cries or who's sensitive. Like, nah, like look at that. What is that show on Netflix? I was watching it. Love is blind. Mm -hmm. The one woman on that show literally was complaining that the guy that she chose on the show I can't remember the girl's name now. I think it was Jackie or something like that. And the guy that she was dating, I think it was Marshall or whatever. And yeah, it was Jackie and Marshall. And he was very open and communicative about his emotions, about his feelings. And I'm not saying the dude was perfect because he seemed kind of strange too in other ways, not because of the emotional part. You want a reality show, I feel like there's something there that is there has to. not all the way right. Right. But just for the sake of what I'm trying to like, kind of communicate yeah. is that she multiple times was like, he's too sensitive. He needs to be more aggressive. He needs to be more this. Like, I want a man. Okay, but he is a fucking man. What do you mean? So because he is emotionally intelligent and he's able to identify how he feels and communicate how he feels and maybe even cry or be sensitive, you no longer look at that man as a real man. That's wild to me. So you have a lot of women who want men to be robots and a lot of men who feel that that is a badge of honor to say, I don't cry. I don't tell my guy friends I love them. That's weird. Or that's gay. That's another mm -hmm. thing. Because gay is seen as feminine, really, is what it comes down to. And when I try to step out of it and look at it, there's a problem with femininity in general. It's not just women. It's just anything that's feminine is considered demeaning. It's weak. It's not good. I mean, back in the day, if you remember back in early 2000s, we would say like, oh, that's so gay. You can't say that now, and, and I understand why, rightfully so, but I'm just saying that it just goes to show it's always been about the attack on femininity, if anything. But there's a lot of women out there, not all, of course, but there's a lot of women out there who perpetuate that same narrative of femininity is bad for men, but good for us, and you don't need it, and don't take that away from me, and it's really saddening. A lot of men just accept that and say, well, we're the builders, we're this and we're that, and that means that we don't ever have to talk about our feelings and then drive ourselves crazy about it and right and that is why men kill themselves at the high rate that they do i mean not the sole reason but i think it's a primary reason is because you get to a point where you're like i have all these feelings i don't know what to do with them i can't talk about them i can't express them so i'm either going to self-medicate mm -hmm. to suppress those feelings 
or I'm going to explode in a ball of rage mm-hmm. and beat some motherfuckers up or shoot up a place mm-hmm. or react violently in some other fashion, or I'm going to take it out on my partner or members mm-hmm. of my family or my children, or I'm just going to say, fuck it. I can't handle it. I'm going to put a bullet in my head. Yep. And I think that more men should what we're doing basically of having these conversations. And the sad part about it too, is why I tend to try to talk more specifically to trans masculine individuals because of the fact that I already know because of my experiences that if I have these types of conversation with most men who are biologically male would not take me seriously anyway, because they do not see it the same way. And it partially makes me feel like that's why I want to have the conversation with biological men, because it's like, I see things from a different way that you don't, not that I know better. It's just that I can see things in a different way because I know what it's like to not feel like that. I know what it's like to not be treated that way. So going on the other side, if you will, now I'm like, I want to advocate for men to have what I used to have and what I'm going to continue to have, because I'm going to obviously cultivate relationships with people who allow me to be my authentic self, of course. But also, I don't want you to go kill yourself or feel angry and feel upset about this. Yo, if we come together, if you just be willing to be open-minded to a different way of living, your life might actually improve. But We have options. We don't have to mm -hmm. stay in that place where we're not being our best selves. Yeah, absolutely. And, And so... I look at a lot of the teenagers or young adults even that come to my channel and they're discovering this, this part of their personality or this part of themselves, I should say, rather. And a lot of them are lost and confused on what it means to be a man. They know that they are. They know that this is who they are and who they want to be and who they choose to be. I always say that this is who you choose to be. It is a choice to some extent. A lot of people don't agree with me on that. That's fine. That's my belief that to some extent, this is a choice because I can choose not to transition. I'll probably kill myself, but I could have chose not to. There's still choices, right? Right. You didn't say good choices. Exactly. And so a lot of times I I have this conversation and I see that a lot of us in the trans masculine community are lost because we have a lot of internalized misogyny when we start transitioning. That's number one. We have a lot of toxic ideas on what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man based off of the way that we were treated by the world. And then you, if you ask a man, a biological man, what does it mean to be a man? An overwhelming majority of them will say it's to have certain chromosomes that you can't even see that you didn't even know existed until someone told you they did. And having a dick and balls, that's what makes you a man. And then when you peel that layer back and you're like, okay, but what really makes you a man? What makes you a real man? Because another thing that people like to use the term real. Real man. Right. So what makes you a man? And a lot of them will say, well, I don't know. Or they'll just go back to I'm a man because that's how I was born. And so there's a lot of that disconnect. And I think that a lot of people conflate quote unquote real man with quote unquote honorable and virtuous human being. Yes. And honorable. But that looks different to different people. Yeah. Honorable and virtuous human being is not dependent on gender. Mm -hmm. If you were good people, you were good people. (laughs) Yeah. Facts. And I don't think that gender necessarily has anything to do with that. You can mm-hmm. be a real woman if you, you provide for your family. But the same can be said for a man. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's transferable. Right. But people are still stuck in even gender roles. Yeah. Again, look at the, I mean, I, I'm not someone that's dating because I you're choose married. to be in a monogamous you're marriage. you're in a monogamous relationship. Right? Yes. I want I I I, to make sure that's. Right. So even I, as a polyamorous person, fall back to what I just said, where I was mm-hmm. like, these monogamous things that we have been mm-hmm. 
you know, we've been taught to think in these terms throughout mm-hmm. our entire lives. And even when you're different sometimes, it's like, even if you're black, you see the world through a white lens, through a uh, Caucasian normative lens. Yeah. When you're gay, you see the world through a heteronormative lens. So when you're trans, you see the world through a cisgender lens. All that stuff is stuff that we have to unlearn and are still participating in, even though we know better. Mm-hmm. And I think as our language continues to evolve, that will get better. But I think that, like you said, we kind of default to that because it's yeah. something that if I use that terminology, it'll be easily discernible. People can understand what I'm saying. Because if I used even new language that most people are not privy to, they're going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? So um, even myself, I choose to be in a monogamous marriage. I'm going to be honest, and I've said this to my wife before. She hates it. But I don't think that monogamy is natural. That's my opinion. I don't think it's natural. That's why we have such high rates of cheating and divorces, because we're forcing ourselves to be in a situation that's not natural for us um, or for most people. It's not natural. But anyway, I digress because I'm in a, a monogamous marriage, which I'm fine with being one. Let me preface that I choose to be in one and I'm quite happy that way. I have too much going on in my life and on my plate to deal with multiple women. I've done it before. It's a lot of work. I'm sure you That's can real. attest to that. That's it's real. a lot it of work. It absolutely is. Yeah. There's a lot of work to deal with that many different people and having a lot of those expectations on you from different individuals on what you have with time and things that they want. But right. I, I look at the dating scene and I, I look at what the state of how things are going because I'm just a curious person by nature. And I can see that the gender roles are still very much in full effect. There are many, many women who still want men to make six figures and up, even though it's been proven multiple times that the majority of us do not make six figures. And that's not even just men, that's people in general. The majority of us don't make six figures. The dating pool is very small for that, but the expectation is so high because gender roles are still prevalent that the man should be able to provide, protect, and do all of these things. And it's not a partnership. Most women or most people would say that they want a partnership. And then when you start to look at the layers and peel the layers back of what they really want, it's like you want someone to take care of you. You don't want a partnership. And so it's kind of sad when you look at how much gender roles are so integrated within our society that without them, people feel like they don't have a box to fit in and they feel lost. And so they're holding on to that, not realizing that there could be a better outcome if you opened your mind up to something that's different. This is probably a question with no answer. How do we get people to think more critically? Because mm. I think so much of this just boils down to critical thinking. I don't think that people lack the ability to think critically. Most people do have the ability to think critically. but And as human beings, we're creatures of habit. A lot of us sh- strive and hold on to structure, routine. And so I think that going back to what we kind of said earlier, our generation was integrated with what our parents taught us. And they were of the generation that was either involved alive in the time period of segregation or just coming out of it. And so still had a lot of those lingering effects. And so a lot of the ways they think is because that's what they know. That's what they've seen. It's conversations I have with family members all the time when we're talking about colorism as well. It's like, yo, why does it matter if I'm darker or lighter or my eyes are this color or that color or your eyes are this color or that color? And so why is there a narrative of hating on our blackness as well? Because that's a part of our DNA. So I think a big part of it is is people just default to what they know. I'm sure you can agree as someone who has gone through therapy. It's hard to look at yourself and look at what you believe and look at your choices and how they have affected your life and be honest with yourself and be like, I fucked up. It's a high level of accountability that's lacking in our society. I don't think it's necessarily the critical thinking. It's if you thought critically, 
about what you believe and about what you think and had to be honest with how you participate in some of the fucked up things in the world. Even if it's just by being quiet, you participate in it. I think a lot of people would be like, damn, why did I do that? It's hard to be accountable. It's much easier to say, this is how things have always been and I'm comfortable with them. And why are you trying to change them? Other than saying, well, why do we think this way? And why do we treat each other this way? And why do we believe what we believe? That's harder to do because it involves not only thinking critically, but having a high level of integrity and accountability for the role that you play within how you think. Just because it's something that you were taught doesn't mean it's something you have to perpetuate. There's a lot of things I was taught as a kid that I realize now is incorrect. I was crazy. Right. I used to get my ass whooped as a kid. I don't believe in corporal punishment. I, I have a niece. I now have a nephew. I, I always call myself Uncle Dad because I was very heavily involved in my niece's life and still am. And so I've never raised my hand to my niece. I don't raise my voice at her. I don't yell at her. I don't degrade her. I don't talk down on her. I don't treat her any less just because she's a younger person. She's still a person. And she is in that critical time of her life where she's understanding how to think critically. And so I don't just tell her what to do and just assume that she's going to follow everything I say blindly or expect her to as a trained puppy. Does that make sense? And so, hey, I learned about corporal punishment and I realize the effects of that now as an adult. A lot of us from that generation and now have this mentality. Well, I, I used to get hit as a kid and I turned out fine. I learned respect for my (laughs) elders. No, you didn't learn respect. You learned to fear. You learned to fear them. You learned to fear them. And even with everything that you learned, there's still school shooters. All these things that you learned that you think are the epitome of parenting did not change the way those people turned out. If anything, you harmed the way they turned out. I'm not out here being violent because that's what I was taught was violence. I used to be that way, though. As a teenager, I became a violent individual especially the the place that I grew up in being very much the hood. (laughs) Those things seemed very natural and normal, but I disliked them. I I didn't learn about affection that much. So that harmed my marital relationship and other relationships growing up because I didn't know how to hug someone and feel comfortable about it. I didn't know how to tell somebody I love them and feel comfortable about telling them I love them. Now I, I give love freely. I tell everybody I love them. Even if I don't know you that much, I still have love for you, even if it's not in a necessarily like a super intimate way. So I think that that's a perfect example as to how we learn things growing up and we don't understand the ramifications of the things that we learned going forward. And we try to ignore them because then it would make us question our own traumas, our own things that we've been through that is very uncomfortable to think about. It's very uncomfortable to think about. And so I have these conversations with people all the time. I see them online. They're like, oh, some of these kids just need to get smacked up. No, they don't. Why do you even think that's normal to smack a, per- smack a child? You're saying the child doesn't know better and you're the one that's supposed to be teaching the child. But you think it's okay to to raise your hand and be angry and, and hit a kid because you don't know how to emotionally regulate yourself as an adult. Right. And that, <laughs> that says is that the way to solve a problem is through violence. Mm-hmm. So you smack somebody around enough, eventually they're going to get it into their head that, okay, this is the way the people that I quote unquote respect solve problems. Then this is the way that I should solve problems as well. And it perpetuates the cycle. Right. Like they say, violence begets violence. Begets violence. So love. Abuse begets abuse. Yes. So now my mantra is, well, love begets love. Maybe if I just be more compassionate to people and show love to people, I'll get that in return. And for me personally, I think that's something that's quite true. I know that's anecdotally, but I get more love on my channel than I do hate. And even the people that send me hate mail and, and say, wow, shit, I'd be like, 
okay, like, love you anyway. I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm going to block you now because I don't want your toxicity over here. You're not going to fuck up my mood. And sometimes I'm not going to fry. I get petty sometimes and I'll be like, yo, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Because I feel like sometimes I'm not even going to front. That's my ego of like, I'm like, yo, why are you the way that you are? Why do you have to be an asshole? Who, who hurt you? <laughs> who hurt you? And then I go in on people sometimes and then I got to check myself because I'm like, oh, that's not the message I want to send. I want people to love each other. And At the same we, time, go fuck yourself. Right. Have the day you deserve. <laughs> oh, I love that. Have the day you deserve. Look, we're all works in progress, right? We can't have it right all the time. And Absolutely. I get it too. Sometimes I want to be like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And in situations where I can say that, sometimes I can't say that without regard for what I'm putting in the world necessarily. But it's all progressive. And sometimes you fall back into behaviors and you're like, oh, look, I fell back. I regressed. My bad. Right. And, and life is ever changing, right? We're always yeah. going to have situations we're going to grow from and we're going to have to learn from. And in regards to how do we get people think, to think critically, like I said, I think it's that a lot of people need therapy. Like, like straight up, I could give you the perfect example real quick. This was recently. I made a video about bottom growth and I was talking about, are there ways to help with that? And so I was giving my opinions on some things that I was trying out in the title itself. It says FTM, which is an acronym for female to male. Right. And I know not a lot of people don't know this language, but still I was very clear <laughs> throughout the course of that video that I'm talking about a clitoris. I was very clear in that. Okay. And I know a lot of people get triggered by these terms, but they are what they are. Okay. I'm not saying that you have to use that language for yourself. I'm not saying that you have to like the language. That's on you. I really don't give a fuck. But I was very clear in that I was talking about a clitoris throughout the entire video and it was being very specific. And I try to do that for a couple of reasons because I know some people are going to see that type of stuff and they're going to be like, well, how do I do that? Especially when we're talking about biological men and going back to society saying you have to have a big penis to be manly enough or to have some sexual prowess right. and be amazing in bed. You have to have a big cock. Never heard of cunnilingus, apparently. Right. And also, again, I will say from personal experience, people with big dicks don't necessarily know what to do with them. Absolutely. And people, just like people with small dicks, they may know what to do with them. They and may like, know what to do or their tongue or other, their hands or right. other parts of their body. Like sex is not just about intercourse. Right. Yeah. Intercourse or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> penetration. Yes. We'll say yeah, penetration. penetration. Yes. Yeah. So I was very clear in the entire video. I'm talking about trans masculine individuals who are not taking testosterone and what you can do and all this type of stuff. I was very clear on that. I try to be very clear in my language because I know that I want everybody who's watching it to be able to understand what we're talking about. You see what I'm saying? So this person in the comment was like, you're a woman and why did you make this video? I thought there was hope for me. Remember that. So I'm like, okay, this goes back to, I challenged something in you mm -hmm. I, or I triggered something in you, an insecurity, a sore spot, something that you got to deal with. And now you're taking that out on me because it's easier to blame me for how you're feeling than to look, look inward and say, why do I feel that way? So I, I ignored the comment. I'm like, all right, I'm going to ignore it. I, it irritated me because I was very clear, but it irritated me. But I'm like, I'm growing here. I don't want to tell him to go fuck himself. I'm going to ignore this. This person coming back. And he just kept going about the whole, this woman, this, this woman, that. Because a lot of people think that hurts my feelings. It doesn't. Right. You can't hurt me with something that I know about myself or accept about myself. People think that they go, oh, you're a fucking female. I'm going to be like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
And I'm like, no, okay, it doesn't bother me. So anyway, he kept going with it. So I'm like, all right, now I'm petty about it. I get up on this live stream and I'm like, so basically you're mad at me because your dick is small. I should have known this when you first commented that you have small dick energy. This is what you're giving right now. Okay. Insecure small dick energy. I said, hey, you think I'm a woman? If anything, I sympathize with you, brother. I do. Because I got small dick too. There's no hope for you and there's no hope for me either. There's no hope for any of us. And then to, to add insult to injury, I said, well, actually, there's more hope for me because I can actually go have surgery and choose the size of my dick and you can't. So, <laughs> and, then after I, yeah, and then after I said it, I was like, damn, that was kind of mean. <laughs> that was kind of mean. I shouldn't have went there, but I'm not you know. mad at that. But I just bring that up to say, in reality, this person is is putting that blame on me of why they feel upset about themselves. And they're upset that there's no hope for them. In right. their eyes. And the reality is like, yo, there is hope for you. Stop caring about what people think about your dick. Stop following the status quo that tells you you have to have this size dick to be man enough. Yep. Learn how to eat some pussy. If you like pussy, learn how to eat pussy. Learn if how you to like use your if, tongue, learn how to use your yeah. hands, learn how to like talk to people. It's not like having a big dick is going to be a substitute for having game. It's not like you're going to be able to walk into a bar or a club or some shit and be like, I got a big dick. And chicks is going to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Give We're me the big dick. Mary, yeah. Give me the big dick. And that's another thing. You can't have a big dick and be broke. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and the thing is, what a lot of men don't even realize is, again, like you just said, it's about game. How do you talk to a woman? Do you respect a woman? Do you treat her a certain way? And is she treating you a certain way? Because that's important, too. How are you getting treated in return? So it's like, okay. So you have a small dick. Okay, I have a small dick too, man. It's fine. It's fine. Why? Because most women don't orgasm through their vaginal canal anyway. That's like a small, small percentage of women who orgasm from just penetrative sex. Most men don't realize that. Like, it's a small percentage of women. And the most sensitive parts of the vaginal canal are two inches deep. Two to three inches deep. So as long as you can get it in there. You're absolutely fine. <laughs> You're absolutely fine. And if she's not having a great time with you penetrating her, play with the clitoris at the same time, man. Like finger that, th do something else to get her off while you're getting off. And if you're dealing with a man or someone who has a penis or whatever, however you want to say it, I've never gotten my booty eaten. Actually, eat some booty. Eat I had some this booty. conversation. So my brother got married a couple of days ago. And Congratulations I was talking to him. To him. Thank you. Uh, and a couple of his fr college friends were talking. And I'm like, yo, y'all don't understand. Also, as a man who primarily has sex with other men, I there haven't been a lot of things back there <laughs> for me. Right, right. That's kind of not my jam. But somebody puts their tongue in there, like, game yo, on. Yo, and can we talk about that for a second? Because yeah. I have talked to so many men who won't even participate in any type of anal because they think that's gay or they think that's feminine or again, that's that toxic thinking. And I've talked to these men and I'm like, first off, did your prostate is located in your anus? In your ass. Like, yes. just let a dude put a finger in there or something. <laughs> and I was like, if you're heterosexual and you're with a woman, it's nothing gay about her penetrating you. Right. Yeah. Enjoy that shit. Granted, interesting thing is I was never a butt person. And when I started transitioning, the longer I was on testosterone, 
I kind of started enjoying some butt stuff. Not to say I want somebody to just ram something in there. That's not me at all. But you play with the butthole a little bit, suck my dick, do a little bit, whatever. That we can have, we can enjoy that. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think right. so many men are sexually suppressed because they're afraid of what that means for their masculinity or what that means for their sexuality, especially when we start adding in men who are attracted to transgender women. They think that's gay. And then I love to challenge those men when I'm like, cool. So if you see me as a female, would you have sex with me? And they'd be like, no, because you're manly. You're a man or your voice is too deep or you have facial hair. Okay. And there are also plenty of biological women who are non-trans and they grow facial hair too. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, or their voices are more deeper or their whatever. So why is everything always revolving around when it comes to manhood and maleness about femininity and sexuality that's wild in such a suppressed repressed environment yes people are scared of themselves yes i don't care man i'm of the notion i'll always try something at least once (laughs) if i don't like it cool no harm no foul not everything is for everyone and nobody got no business anyway knowing what you do in your bedroom so if you let your girl or you let your man or you let somebody just put a finger in your butthole nobody has to know about it (laughs) so why do you feel guilty about it why are you letting people make you feel less of a man because of it and i'd be having those conversations with my homies and my guy friends i'm like yo you never tried it but you don't want it because it's gonna make and literally i've had my guy friends be like that's for women that's a woman thing to be penetrated or that's a gay thing to be penetrated it's not a heterosexual thing and most men would agree with this i think that to some degree everybody is capable I, i think most people don't understand that sexuality is very fluid it's a spectrum it's a spectrum even the most heterosexual man i think could have a gay experience at one point in their life or the most heterosexual woman. And there's nothing wrong with that. That does not equate to your manhood or your maleness or your masculinity because you want to try something or because you're in a situation that forces you to try something. You ever heard of the term gay for the stay? We all want companionship and sex. Most people want that unless you're asexual, I think is what it's called, that people that don't care about sex at all. But like, that's a very small percentage of people. The majority of humans want to have sex with other people. Some, some kind of intimacy, whether right. it's penetrative sex or touching or whatever it is. Most people want some kind of intimacy. And Most men think of intimacy as sex. As, right. Not the same thing. It's not. That's but, why. And I think it was you I had this discussion with. I had a discussion with somebody where I was like romantic relationships and sexual relationships can be two different things. Oh, I remember that. We were talking about that. We were talking about romantic versus platonic relationships and how it's kind of the same thing regardless. It's just no sex. That's it. There's just no sex involved with a platonic relationship. If you have a homeboy that is your best friend, guess what? Y'all are in a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. You're not having sex. So it's not a sexual relationship. It's not a platonic relationship. It is a romantic relationship. Like your homeboys are... Your partner, like they're mm-hmm. your partner is the same way your wife or your girlfriend or your whatever is your partner. Mm-hmm. The differences are that you may be having sex with this person or these people, and you might be living with this person or these people, but they're still your partners. It's still mm-hmm. a romantic relationship. And again, we're just kind of circling back, going back to critical thinking and conditioning and all that stuff. It's just like, if we, if we challenge the things that we were taught and like, ah. Uh, I feel different about this, or this doesn't make sense to me, so let me explore it. It's like the whole fucking world opens up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And most men just, I think, are 
again, are so conditioned not to think outside of that. And like, I think that's one of the things I'm grateful for as being like, so many trans people are always like, I wish I was born the gender that I identify with. And I used to feel that way when I felt like I wasn't normal or felt like I was like less than. And as I continued to broaden my horizons, like you were saying, just exploring things and doing a lot of introspection, the more I'm proud that I'm trans. I like that I'm trans. I like it because I feel like it has afforded me a completely different way of thinking. And it allows me to not have that same conditioning. Now, granted, there's other conditioning I had to unlearn, like what it meant to be a woman and how I had to behave in the world as a woman and certain fears that I had that were ingrained in me as a woman. There are a lot of ways I had to unlearn those things, but I'm also like, I felt like that was much easier to unlearn than being brought up in a society that for eons, (laughs) what I mean, has conditioned men to be a certain way. And I kind of love that about myself is like, I had this unique experience and because I experienced what it was like to be a woman and having the freedom, I think that's the, the word I've been looking for. I had the freedom to express myself more freely than I ever have now as a man. I choose now, though, to be more expressive and, and explorative as a man because I, why can't I? And I don't look at the femininity that I do have, which we all have, that femininity and masculinity, as a weakness or as a bad thing. I used to think that way when I was trying to fit in. That's where I was trying to go with that. When I was trying to fit into the status quo and trying to be seen in the world as a man and cared about what other people saw me as and wanted to, again, be able to fit in societally, I realized how quickly, how toxic I became because I was trying so hard to fit into that that box that men are put into. And so once I got out of that mentality of like, no, fuck that. I'm going to do what I want. And besides, the men don't want me around. That was my mentality of like, well, fuck it. If they don't see me as a man, that's fine. I, I don't have to sit with you. And if the women or whatever have whatever they think about me, I don't care. I'll attract my tribe as I go along. I want free thinkers. Right. I want people around me who are free thinkers or are analytical about life and are emotionally intelligent that challenge me on my beliefs that don't just circle jerk with me because I can't stand people like that that are yes men everything you say is right and everything you do is correct and no 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 I want to be challenged because that's the only way you grow as a person is to be challenged by why you think the way you think and why you behave the way that you do and it's so much fun to like stand out and not fit in why would I want to fucking fit into everyone else and be miserable so I can like you said I could be another cog in the machine I could be just another dude that came off the assembly line that that's repressed and and nah fuck that that's what's up yeah fuck that (laughs) thank you so much micah for uh giving of your time and your generosity and your spirit and your life experience uh it's greatly greatly appreciated and thankfully the internet did not eat it this time so uh i'm glad that we have this preserved anyway if you want to follow micah uh, he is on instagram at realistically free uh, Realistically Free is also the name of his YouTube and uh, his podcast, his YouTube series. Make sure you check that out. Um, he also has a Patreon and you can go to his link tree. I will drop that in the show notes. Uh, it is linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Realistically Free. Once again, Micah, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to have more of these conversations on your podcast, on my podcast, on both. We're going to make it happen. Um, so I look forward to the next time. 
Thank you for listening to Detoxicity. I hope you found this particular episode interesting. And if you are new, I hope you go back and listen to all of the older episodes. Uh, Once again, my name is Mike Joseph. I am the host and producer of this show. And uh, there are a lot of things that you can do to continue to support our mission, continue to support this podcast. Uh, Follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, Twitter, and I'm on TikTok as DetoxPodGuy. Uh, You can also send me an email if you'd like. I'm at detoxpod at gmail.com. I am always on the hunt for people with interesting, inspirational, and powerful stories. So if you know somebody who fits that bill or if you yourself fit that bill, please don't hesitate to drop me a line via email or via social media. Uh, Please make sure you subscribe on your podcast platform that you're listening to this on. Uh, Rate, comment, help a brother out, uh, help us move up in the rankings, Uh, follow me on social media, like I said, uh, follow our Patreon, or subscribe to my Patreon, actually, patreon.com slash detoxicitypod, you get access to exclusive episodes, you get episodes a little earlier than the general public, you get a cool-ass sticker, lots of stuff, once again, patreon.com slash detoxicitypod, quick shout out to Calvin Williams for providing the music, and, uh, doing his magic on the logo which was originally designed by jacob block i thank you all for listening i wish you all the best please take care of each other till next time peace